0: Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen in to this week's message. We are continuing in our series on famous falls. And my responsibility in the series was the kickoff message where we talked about of course the greatest fall of all, which is the fall of mankind at the In the Garden of Eden, that was where it all began. That's where sin entered into the world. And then the second part I was given was the fall of a leader. And we looked at Saul, King Saul. Really sad story of a leader gone bad. Uh, Today I want us to look at the book of Jonah. Jonah was called by God to be a missionary. A missionary. But Jonah is the best illustration of the Bible of what a missionary should not do. He flat out failed. He failed in his, in his assignment. He was disobedient. He was selfish. He was sinful. Worst of all, this man had a really, really bad attitude throughout, throughout the, almost the entire time. His attitude stinks. He's prejudiced. He's uncaring. And yet, God chooses Jonah, he still chooses Jonah, and he uses him to bring hope to a hopeless people. Kind of amazing. The main lesson I hope we learn today, of course, is how much God cares about people who are far away from him. God cares for lost people, and so should we if we claim to represent him. So I want to show you three pictures from the book of Jonah. The first one is this one. God sends a preacher to bring hope. He sends a preacher to bring hope. Chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, on the surface, you might look at that, and think those are angry words from God. But actually, the truth being conveyed, conveyed here is that God loves these people. He loves Nineveh. Let me, let me explain, uh, give you a little bit of background on Nineveh. Nineveh is a very, very large city at this time. In fact, if you were to take a, a, a walk, a journey, to go from one end of the city to the other, take you three days. That's a pretty big city. It uh, had about, uh, they said, about 120,000 adults in it, 120,000 people, the scripture says. And if you take, uh, you know, two, three, four kids, uh, a family there, you, you're talking to probably about 500,000, 600,000 people at that time. Uh, of course, today, the uh, city would be the modern day city in Iraq, Mosul. Mosul, you remember, ISIS was there, and they got pushed out. But in the 8th century century BC, Nineveh was a big cosmopolitan city. And it was part of the rising empire called the Assyrian Empire. So it was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire which was a military machine. It was sweeping across the Middle East at that time and it became one of the greatest empires in the history of the world. It massive territory. Would include Iran, Iraq today, Syria, parts of Turkey, even Kuwait. So you have this big empire called the Assyrian Empire, and it is the greatest threat to Israel and the Jewish people. It was their archenemy. So Nineveh is capital, is the capital city of this brutal pagan nation. Jonah is a Jew. He's from just outside the town of Nazareth, and he's a prophet whom God calls originally to preach to the northern kingdom of Israel during the time of King Jeroboam II, about 760 BC. So here's a picture. You have Jonah, who's a Jew, a prophet. He's called of God to go to this pagan militaristic arch enemy of Israel the capital city Nineveh and what does God want Jonah to do when he gets there he wants him to preach why so that they'll turn away from their wickedness and their sin God will withhold judgment that awaits them this is all showing the loving concern of God for these people that are living in Nineveh question what is God concerned about in the world today Well, he's concerned about things like justice and righteousness and that people have a right relationship with him. All people, everywhere, all countries. So Jonah's being sent because God cares about that place, Nineveh. And how does God show his concern? Sends him a preacher. Sends him a preacher. I hope that doesn't surprise you. There are many occasions, many occasions in human history when the future of whole nations have been changed by God sending them a preacher of righteousness. Men like Martin Luther, Calvin, Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, even Billy Graham. God often shows his loving concern by sending a nation a preacher who will stand in the midst of the people, call them to repentance, and righteousness. So God's going to show his loving concern to the people of Nineveh by sending them a preacher to bring hope. His name's going to be Jonah. That's the first picture. Second picture is this: Jonah's patriotism going too far, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Tarshish, at that time, southern Spain. And in those days, Spain was considered the end of the earth. So you understand what's going on here? Jonah's response to God's call on his life is pretty clear. God says, Jonah, I'm concerned about those people in Nineveh. I want you to go east and go preach to them. Jonah says, no way, Lord, I'm going west. I'm going as far west as you can go. He's willing to go to the end of the world to get away from God's call on his life. Now, Jonah Jonah knows better. He's been a prophet, he's been a faithful prophet. This is not his first assignment, folks. He's been prophesying already in the northern kingdom of Israel. He knows what God wants him to do. What is Jonah's problem? Let me tell you what his problem is. It's called patriotism. His patriotic spirit for his own country has gone too far. Let me, let me paint the picture for you here. At that time, you had Israel. You had its neighbor, Syria. And then you had Syria, So you got Israel, you got Syria, which is just a, an area, a smaller area. You have Syria, which is the big kahuna. That's the big force that's coming their way. And at that time, Syria is fighting Assyria. They're so occupied with that, that what happens is Israel is allowed to go into Syria and recapture some of the land. This is jolly times for Israel. This is very prosperous times for Israel. But Jonah's a thinking man. He's smart. He knows this is only going to be for a few years. The problem's not Syria. The problem is Assyria. And when they get done with Syria, they're going to be at Israel's uh, doorsteps. And Jonah knows. My going to Assyria, the Nineveh, the capital means God's going to give Assyria a chance to repent. He's going to give them opportunity to be blessed by him. And eventually, that means trouble for Israel. I'm not doing that, Lord. Jonah understands the command of God. He understands the command of God perfectly. He understands the intention of God. He understands the heart of God. What he doesn't agree with is the plan of God. Jonah's idea is pretty simple. Let them die. Let them die for their wickedness. One of our enemies will be removed from the earth. Everything will be great for my country, Israel. You see what's going on? Jonah's patriotism is getting in the way of God's concern for the people of Assyria. Now, what Jonah doesn't realize then is actually his thinking is right on. Because eventually, he doesn't know this, but Assyria will get stronger. And yes, they will be at the doorstep. And yes, God will allow them to overrun the northern kingdom of Israel. He's going to use Israel. Why? Uh, Use Assyria. Why? Because Israel is deep in idolatry. They've been unfaithful. They're worshiping idols. And God's going to use Assyria to bring his people back to himself. You see, if Jonah gets his way, not only will that generation of Ninevites be lost, but also Israel will be deprived of being delivered of their idolatry. Listen to me. God always has the best plan, no matter what our perspective is. Never question God's plan, why? It's always good, it's always the best. You don't know all the issues. I remember someone telling me once, you know, I think I can change God's mind through prayer. I go, really? Why would you ever wanna do that? God's perfect, everything he does is perfect. I never want God to to take my plan over his. It's Jonah's patriotism that's going to get him into trouble. It's a selfish, selfish patriotism. Pause button here. Let's, let's be honest. A lot of our patriotism is selfish. Why do we love, why, why do we love the place where we live? It's because it's the place we live in. Why do we think the place we live in is the best place to be? It's because we live here. Jonah's problem is he has his eye on the kingdom of Israel instead of the kingdom of God. And it's very important. Listen, Christian, it's very important for all of us who profess to be believers and other world people. We're supposed to be aliens in this world. Not to let your love for your country blind you to how God is concerned for people in other places, even places that are enemies of the United States. I hear some people talk about places and I'm wondering, there's people there. God cares about them. Now, look, understand what I'm saying. It's a good thing to be patriotic. I'm a very patriotic person. I'm not embarrassed to say I go to a ball game. I'm tearing up when I'm watching thousands of people sing the national anthem and the jets are going over. But my allegiance, has to be to the kingdom of God first. And we have people who have left this church and gone to places where that place, they are enemies of the United States. Why do they go there? Because they go there because they know God still loves the people there and wants to forgive them, wants them to repent and follow him. He wants to bless them so they can be part of God's kingdom. We need to be careful sometimes. How we view people in other countries and how God works in places around the world, they're not friendly to the United States. Your your patriotism, Christian, can go too far as a believer. Okay, Jonah's angry with God. That's why he doesn't want to preach in Nineveh. Now, I'm not gonna get into chapter two, we don't have the time, but you know what happens. He tries to run away from God. Never works, by the way. Don't waste your time. When you're trying to run away from God, you run into him. And that's exactly what happens to Jonah. He tries to run away from God, going the opposite. He runs right into him and God has a big fish swallow him and spit him out on dry land where he wants him. Now, I was telling somebody this week who's a skeptic, I'm preaching on Jonah this week, and uh, right away you know you hear this once in a while you don't believe that do you dennis you're an intelligent person you went to school you got graduate degrees you don't really believe that it's kind of a fantasy thing and i have to remind people look that's why they call it a miracle a miracle suspends natural law in fact i understand that skeptics they don't really believe in this even though god does miracles today they don't really because they don't see the supernatural suspension of natural law on a very visible level. I, want, I have to remind them, there are periods in human history where God did that kind of stuff. During the prophets, certainly when he led the people out of Israel, and by the way, we're moving towards a time called the tribulation period in the book of Revelation, which we're going through now in our studies, that there will be another period of supernatural manifestations that everyone will see and the world will be reminded again that God can do these kinds of miracles. So Jonah goes to Nineveh, and he preaches. And sure enough, sure enough, God saves the people. He shows them mercy and grace and forgiveness. Why? Because they repent. They repent. Even the king repents. Verse 4, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, 40 more days, Nineveh's going to be overthrown. The Ninevites believe God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. What sackcloth? Uh, it was it was it was derived from camel's hair, or uh, you know goat hair. It was very harsh on the body. And people, when they were mourning, when they knew something was happening, trauma was about to take place, they would put on sackcloth to show that they're worried, they're mourning. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink, but let, let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent. And with compassion turn his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. And guess how Jonah responds to all of this? He says, praise God, look at this. I understand now, Lord, your plan. You have saved these lost people from destruction. Nineveh saved, hallelujah. No, that's not what he says. And that leads us to the third picture here. Why this missionary falls. Because Jonah's value system is all messed up his priorities his value system all messed up chapter 4 verse 1 but to jonah all of this seemed very wrong and he became angry and he prayed to the lord isn't this what i said lord when i was still at home this is what i tried to forestall by fleeing the tarshish I knew you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Now, I'm not positive, but I don't think Old Testament prophets had a very good retirement plan. (laughs) And this guy knows, Jonah knows, this means I got to go back to Israel I gotta face my people. I gotta tell them, okay, here's what happened. God sent me to Assyria, which is about to destroy us, and I preached, guess what, they repented. God's gonna bless that nation. How do you think those people are gonna respond to him? So he says, Lord, take my life now. It would be better than going home, facing my own people with this wonderful news from the mission field. And we we didn't go into it. We didn't see it. But in chapter 2, Jonah's pleading with God to save his life. Now it's interesting. He wants God to take his life. And do you notice how immediately, immediately, God cuts right to the issue? Verse 4. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Emphasis on the word right, R-I-G-H-T. Now look up here. The major cause of anger and problems in your life is a feeling that my rights have been violated. Let me repeat that. The major cause of anger or problems in your life is always a feeling, that my rights have been violated. That's what makes people angry. You got a husband, comes home from work, wants to relax and unwind and his wife begins to pepper him right away with all these problems and questions and he's brushing her off, brief answers, he's tired, he doesn't want to rehash the whole day. She gets upset. His rights have been violated. I have a right to relax. I have a right to come home and and not be peppered with questions. And she's thinking, look, look, I've been here all day. I've I've said 30 words with these kids. You've said 7,000 words. You're all spent. I'm just getting started. What's going on? How do I know this scene? Because this is what I did many years when my kids were young. And Judy would be wanting to talk my ear off, and I I don't want to hear any of it. My rights have been violated, so you get angry. Dear friend, the more rights and shoulds that you include in your language, the more angry you're going to become. It's okay to say, I like more time. I like more respect. I'd like more affection. But when you say, I should have more affection, I should have more respect, now you have set yourself up for someone else to violate your rights, and you will get angry. So here's a tip. Wanna get less angry? Lower your expectation of what your rights are. You get less angry. That's exactly what Jonah's dealing with right here. And so God cuts right to the chase. Hey, Jonah, you got any right to be angry? Notice what Jonah does here, verse 4. Or verse 5. Jonah had gone out, sat at a place east of the city. He makes himself a shelter. He sat in the shade, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Let me tell you what's going on here. Jonah figures these people are gonna screw up. They're gonna go right back to their sin. I'm gonna build a shelter. I'm gonna sit here under the tree. I'm gonna wait for them to mess up so God can nail them and I'll see it all. Then I can go back to my people and say, look what God and I did. This guy's a real number. Obviously, he doesn't do a good job building this shelter because there's holes in it. So it, did, so it says, God provides a vine to cover it. It's beautiful now. It's got shade. And the text says, Jonah liked it. God is finally understanding that prophets need better care. Yeah. But in the morning, it says in verse seven, but at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered. God called 1,360,587 worm, move in on the vine. That hasn't happened to you? You don't think he's taken a mosquito sometimes and nailed you? And that's not all. Verse eight, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching wind and a sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint faint, and he wanted to die. And he said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. What does God, how does God respond to that? But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant. You didn't tend it. You didn't make it grow. Sprang up overnight, died overnight. Should I not be concerned for the great city of Nineveh in which there's more than 120,000 people there? who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. God says, you got a right to be angry about the vine? Did you plant it? Where did it come from? Who gave it to you? What an object lesson. I mean, God is confronting this prophet's value system, his priorities, and he seems to have a higher value on his own comfort than the lost people of Nineveh who are headed for hell. This value system, this value system is all messed up. Okay, let's talk application here. Let's bring it to today. I wanna leave you with three questions this morning to ask yourself. Three questions. If you're in a mini church, these are gonna be your discussion questions. First question. What rights are you holding on to right now that are causing you to get angry? What rights are you holding on to right now that are causing you to get angry? Two, what might all of that be saying about your value system and your priorities? And three, are there some people around you right now that God might be saying to you, should you not be concerned about them as I am? Jonah was confronted by God for having a bad attitude and his message is basically this, if you claim to belong to me, Jonah, your life's decisions Your agenda should not be driven primarily by what you want. It should be driven by what I'm concerned about in the world. Two things. The glory of God and his work in the world. Let's stand for closing prayer. Master, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. For opening us up and realizing what's going on on the inside of us and how it needs to be cleaned up thank you for your word which which clearly gives us examples of people who fell people who who disappointed you people who failed at what you call them to do but you give us these examples so we don't make the same mistakes so I pray God, we're listening to your Holy Spirit, and I pray you'll save us from leaving this service today and saying, well, that was a good message. I I like that. I got something out of it. But instead, we pray, God, you'll help us to do some business with you, real business with you, and, and pound down some stakes in our own lives about some changes that need to happen in our attitude, in our perspective, our response to you, and what you're calling us to be and do. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gives us eternal encouragement and good hope. May he encourage your hearts this week and strengthen you for every good deed and word and God's people said, amen.